Motherfucker, you have a responsibility to speak recklessly. People. Otherwise, my kids may never know what reckless talk sounds like. People like the joys of being wrong. I didn't come here to be right. Can you fuck around? People like games. That's fucking outstanding. What's up, what's up, folks? And welcome to episode 9-0, a.k.a. the season three finale of People Like Games. I'm Solo, and I will be commandeering the ship, Dolo, uh, for the uh, Fiend episode. Uh, if you are not aware, uh, are a new listener or a, uh, you know, continual listener, but just don't know. We do 30 episodes per season, and... This marks the end of this one for three, where we sort of introduced a whole lot of new things, including events and merchandise. And it was a great chapter in the history of PLG. A little bittersweet not to be able to close it out without Lilo. However, season four shall see his return, hopefully. And we are going to be bringing a whole new flavor to how we go about things. But... Before I go any further, I am going to jump right into year the plug walk because I don't like to talk anything before I make sure people are aware that the plugs are coming. Uh, so I Paul Revere them with the sound cue. But anyway, we have uh, unfortunate news. We are going to be canceling the Halloween Gaming Festivus. We ended up facing a whole bunch of logistical issues that really were we weren't going to be able to overcome in the time limit. And there was a couple of new things we wanted to roll out. And the timeline just wasn't sort of, you know, adding up. And, you know, towards the end, it was going to be either throw a subpar experience or take a step back and, you know, maybe punt it uh, and hope that everyone will understand it will be made up in spectacular fashion in a December event because uh, it hurts as someone who is a thrilling, thrilling proponent of Halloween to have to not be able to do a Halloween event. But lo and behold, we are stepping up the production value of all of our offerings. So... In the name of quality, uh, we punted. And so we hope you'll understand, but we shall show out on return. That's for damn sure. Anywho, there's been a lot of news that's occurred in the past week. Plus, uh, one of the main stories I wanted to cover was PlayStation 5, but already seems sort of dated. However, instead of doing a crazy deep dive, I will posit an interesting question. So... Without me boring you all to death with, uh, you know, those aspects of announcements, I'm just going to get the actual plugs in. So social media, that's people like at people like games is a handle for Twitter and Instagram R backslash uh, people like games is a subreddit, which has been rebooted, relaunched. Go check that out. And in addition, the website www.peoplelikegames.com, all of our merchandise is available on there, info, you know, where you can find the show, which you are listening to, which is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all of those usual suspects. 
because the season is ending, fear not, we are going to make this official People Like Game Show and season four sort of its own thing and are going to be rolling out a whole bunch of new content. That includes me on a daily basis, just dropping sort of five, you know, 10 minute dailies on stories just to keep people, you know, up to date on a continual basis and then sort of uh, pushing some YouTube videos uh, and releasing a couple of new shows. So it, there's a whole lot of new stuff in the pipeline that's going to be unveiled uh, in November. And before that, we're going to finish up here. So let me hit that cue that you know. It's a quick scope. It's in the building. It's news time. And let's begin with mobile gaming. So obviously last time I said I was waiting for the numbers to return for Mario Kart Tour and Call of Duty Mobile before I was going to sort of pass judgment. I've not been playing Call of Duty Mobile, but uh, seeing its popularity, which it reached, uh, you know, almost 100 million downloads already. Uh, and it has, you know, surprisingly brought in about 18 million. And that's the first week. Uh, and for perspective, Mario Kart only brought in 12 million for its first week, which don't get me wrong, that is a lot of money, but it doesn't, you know, in, in comparison, Fire Emblem Heroes made 28 million. So there for that's a Mario Kart Tour comparison. So let's just jump on that just as a follow up to say that Call of Duty's numbers uh, are primarily at the moment in the US. And so that was... 17 million of those downloads have been in the US and the rest have been in India and Brazil. That means that the game has not been released officially in China. I'm curious to see if the way the international mobile market caught the PUBG bug, if they'll catch the Call of Duty bug. I have a feeling that'll be the case, which speaking of PUBG Mobile just led mobile game spending in Q3. Anyway. This is uh, curious to see in terms of the Mario Kart Tour uh, revenue. I think that just speaks to the fact that Nintendo's mobile strategy was a bad idea or they're going to have a far larger number that is going to be based around the monthly subscription that they have in game for $4.99 a month, which for perspective is more expensive than their actual online service, which is $3.99 a month. But we will find out how that goes. That will be kept up to date as we move forward. So now let's move on to our next story here where the former C uh, CEO of Bungie, uh, Harold Ryan, the man who led the publisher that created the game Halo and uh, I suppose Destiny, you can say as well. I'm sure people have loved it, that game, but it's not Halo. Uh, has decided to start a new multi-studio AAA game company. Basically, he wants to change the way games are developed. I don't know exactly what that means, but I am very curious to see what uh, will be created. And, you know, there is a lot to say for someone who's trying to create an alternative model, which is something important, especially someone who has experience and not only experience was at the helm of a company that created some of the most important games in you know the industry's history so curious to see what type of games they'll try to make if it will be you know fps's again or if they're going to try to move in a different uh aspect so 
we'll see which way that goes. Uh, we will keep you up to date. Uh, and they have a, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a timeline to see what that sort of creates. Because as we've seen, um, or if you read the book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, which we covered on the show, the Destiny development ha- was not very pretty. And so we'll see what happens as it moves forward. Anyway, now let's move on to a little bit of cloud gaming. And this is in relation to the the Google Stadia. So one of the major issues, if you are not familiar with uh, cloud gaming, is a concept called latency. And so that is basically the responsiveness of the, you know, button being pushed and the response, uh, you know, the input output response speed for pushing a button to the action in the game, which usually on like a console that you have in front of you is much quicker because the distance or whatever the the requirement is, is shorter versus on the cloud where you have the likelihood for delay. And historically I've seen a lot of delay, which has been one of the reasons cloud gaming was believed to not be very viable uh, for as long as it was. And so overcoming those latency issues has been one of the reasons that it is now gaining steam. One of the ways that Google Stadia hopes to avoid that issue is something called negative latency. And that will be to basically predict uh, the button that they assume the player will be pushing in game. Um, How exactly they're going to minority report which buttons you're going to play unless they map it based on a game or have some sort of AI scanning the game and running it. Um, But other than, or they also said they also would increase rapidly the frame per second to reduce the latency. So it looks if I don't know, if you're going to do a visual trick, you might figure out a technological trick to be able to solve that. Uh, it is probably at the forefront of who will win the streaming wars, uh, who will provide the best experience that doesn't feel like there's a major lag. And, it, you know, everyone who's gamed, you know what lagging is. And if you don't game and you don't know what lagging is, consider yourself spared a horrible experience. And now moving on over to Fortnite, which... Uh, has uh, an extremely interesting concept going on right now, which is the black hole. So if you're if you're familiar with Fortnite, but you do not know what the black hole is, uh, Fortnite, just after its 10th season, decided to... I mean, it's 10th season? 11th? 10th season, decided to uh, end the game, per se. And by that, I mean a black hole was created on the map, uh, that swallowed up everything and then the game shut down and not shut down But there's just a black hole when you try to watch the game. You literally cannot play Fortnite right now That is genius like utterly genius and I don't either obviously they're calling it Fortnite chapter 2 They're gonna be changing everything but good lord It's very smart. It makes me very interested in playing the game again very whoever came up with the marketing move to say hey let's shut the game down officially and not let anyone play and all you get is this it was watched by six million people concurrently wild wild over all platforms six million people watched this black hole create and form in this game and take away the map 
and now you now there's nothing. You can't play Fortnite. It's genius. I don't know who came up with it, but applause, full applause, full applause for you. But in the side aspect uh, that they're facing, uh, they Epic Games is facing actually a class action lawsuit in Canada over Fortnite addiction. Obviously, you've you know sort of humorously heard about it or you know kids being addicted to game but not even humorously humorously realistically when we've talked about loot boxes and the way that sort of creates a gambling mechanism that exploits children the uh group called the montreal-based calyx uh legal i guess was their name filed the suit basically claiming that they manipulated the human brain and created a system to be as addictive as cocaine for children basing it around you know the and basically literally citing the world health organization gaming disorder classification which we covered on this show and you know is basing a legal action on that which is why when people were complaining and someone's like it's just it there's a reason why definitions are important. And so this is one of them. Canada, I don't know, it's legal history with sort of uh, ruling on something like this. If this was in Europe, I would feel like Epic Games was in trouble. But, you know, they have, uh, you know, done the same basis that they ruled. Uh, they actually, funny enough, Calyx Legal, uh, claims that the case bears a resemblance to a 2015 case in the same uh, Quebec court that ruled that tobacco companies failed to provide adequate warning about the danger of smoking. So now we're making gaming analogous t- and, and loot boxes and in-game microtransactions analogous to the dangers of smoking cigarettes and heroin and cocaine. 2019. Anyway, now speaking of 2019, a new little game released a trailer called Enchanted Portals uh, for the Nintendo Switch, which was such a blatant uh, ripoff of Cuphead that it was a little bit embarrassing. They got roasted because there is a fine line between being inspired by and stealing from and it's just sort of a lazier version down to almost the music and the art style. And so if they had just used similar mechanics, I don't think there would be as much of an issue, but to basically, you know, copy it and make a slightly shittier version of it. I don't know how I feel about that. And so whoever came up with that, I didn't even look up the publisher's name. Lazy. Come on, my G. You can do better than that. You can do better than that. Uh, now a quick moment of silence before I move on with any more jokes to former Nintendo lawyer John Kirby um, because he was a genius. He was the namesake of the character Kirby, but more specifically when we covered the book um, of Blake Robbins' Console Wars, one of the stories that I truly loved and that I highlighted was uh, the case where he defended Nintendo against a trademark and copyright infringement suit from Universal. And basically the premise was Universal was suing Nintendo saying that Donkey Kong infringed on its trademark of King Kong, but 
there was no ability for, but they ended up losing that case because the studio technically hadn't uh, copyrighted and trademarked the character fully. And so because there was no rights to King Kong, it was in the public domain when it was used and therefore they could work with it. And so he saved the character name, was named after a character. Uh, and, you know, that's something that is just super cool when someone takes on a, a major corporation. And now I guess Nintendo's a big one, but at the time they weren't as big, you know. And so for managing to do that, pretty cool. I love I love semantics, and this man bodied one of the largest studios in the world on a semantics argument. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Anywho, uh, Rockstar apparently is working on multiple games, and whether you believe some of these online leaks that have occurred, which I probably should hit the rumor mill. There... It's going to be based in Florida uh, and is going to be based on multiple timelines. Uh, that's obviously very speculative in terms of just a couple of Twitter leaks and no confirmations. However, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, it is rumored to be releasing alongside uh, the PlayStation 5, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, in holiday 2020. So if that's the case and they sort of drop that game out of nowhere that quickly, uh, I'd be shocked. Anyway, now where are we? Now where are we? Got a little bit more news for you. A little bit more. Uh, I'm so shocked by what uh, Epic Games and Fortnite did. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Anyway, lastly, I have for you... Listener, Activision and Blizzard have revealed the Call of Duty League branding and prize pool. It is, you know, something we've covered here. It's a geolocated league and there's going to be 12 slots. Uh, the going, There's going to be more than $6 million awarded in the prizing uh, in 2020 with the teams obviously playing the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare game. The, uh, you know, game that they chose modern warfare was what i thought black ops was you know initially planned to be and it sort of explains the issue and the sort of turnover they had with uh the development team made you know sort of post black ops when they were coming out with modern warfare because i knew they needed a template game that would allow it like overwatch or whatever the case is allow it to evolve uh and allow it to be sort of the game that's used for league and then they can use the offshoots as additional games and then you know having you know i don't know are they going to switch games fully in two years like what the case is with that and starting a brand new game uh that's wild to me uh to think about uh, because I don't think this is similar. Like if they released an Overwatch 2 and they changed, you know, fundamental, you know, aspects of the game, you know, that how does a pro carry over into a brand new game? Does the whole sort of league get, you know, replaced every two years um, or a couple of years, depending on the life cycle of the games and how is it? So obviously it'll be PC based, but otherwise... A lot of questions. Uh, the first season will be played exclusively on a PlayStation 4 and in a 5v5 format. 
it's a little bit confusing. I'm sure they paid a whole lot of money to get it officially on PlayStation 4, so excuse my probably PC line. Uh, and it says that they will travel from city to city, but they don't provide any further details. I'm sure they're going to do something similar to what the Overwatch League did in Season 2 when they had a couple of the teams go on like a little tour of a local city with the goal, obviously, to expand out into sort of dedicated leagues and sort of full-scale uh, travel for the teams, which I'm curious how long that application will take. Uh, you know, it's not two years, maybe it's five years, maybe it's ten but it is the beginnings. Anyway, now that's all I got for you for the quick scope. We are going to move into a little bit of solo something or another, which not really solo something or another, but we're going to keep it a solo something or another because it's so important to me not to be just a single person rambling on this show. And so instead of being a single person rambling, now we're going to have the ability to still have segments anyway ps5 was announced and it was like the tweet version of a major announcement and so they released it casually out of nowhere on a tuesday and the basis of that announcement was that hey we're releasing this and we're not even releasing we're releasing it very soon holiday 2020 which brings it you know up to probably this coming October, November. And so we are a year away. And it obviously, you know, we, we, we mentioned that it released, you know, and teased about the tech specs that it was going to work on uh, and how <clears throat> it was going to have ray tracing technology and how it was going to do away with loading screens and this, that, and the other. Uh, one of the things that is interesting to me is one it was just the week before that sony announced that they had officially sort of dropped the beta and announced full access or released full access to open cross-platform play uh and that was after years and years and years of them saying no and that probably was one of the stipulations for them to be able to become the you know the user here for call of duty Modern Warfare, uh, because Modern Warfare was the game that the crossplay was initially announced for. Then it opened up wider right after that. So following that, and then now announcing the PlayStation 5, it's curious. It lines itself up right next to the Scarlet, uh, which was what the next generation Xbox is going to be. Uh, I don't think Nintendo is releasing a next version uh, within the next year. I'm curious where they stand as this evolution is occurring. Uh, especially as they're shifting, you know, part of their priority to mobile as well. And, you know, it, it, it brings a curious situation of where, why they didn't wait for, you know, like The Last of Us 2 to, you know, just be a, a, a launch title for them for the PS5. Part of me thinks that it would have been a slightly better idea. Uh, for that, in any case, I'm sure, you know, as I mentioned earlier, if Grand Theft Auto 6 ends up being the launch title, well, fuck, that makes, that, <laughs> I don't really have an argument to that one. So you might have a plan, and it looks like where 
a couple of months ago, we had talked about uh, Microsoft gaining steam and Sony looking a little lost, especially as gaming was moving to the cloud. They very quickly showed strategic moves to position themselves right back at the front as PlayStation 4 is one of, if not the most successful consoles of all time. With It has more, it's sold more than the PlayStation 2, which is surprising because the PlayStation 2 was the omnipresent console. Like it was the console or maybe it just for my generation and I'm completely biased and I have a miscued version, but it felt like everyone had a PS2, so... If you didn't have a PS2 and you think I'm crazy, hit me up, but I feel like I'm sort of right, so fuck it. I'm running with it. Anyway, that is very much all I have on the PlayStation 5. So like I said, it puts the, you know, late generation games in a slightly awkward position, or it is the perfect bow to the end of a stellar console to end with stellar game like Last of Us and sort of use that or if Ghost of Tsushima ever releases or if that ends up being pushed to PS5, who knows, uh, of being sort of major games, uh, you know, or, or a bookend to the console. So that would be cool. Definitely necessary, in my opinion. But yeah, real. Now, that's all I have, as I was saying, over on that. I'm not going to really get into the tech and the specs of it at the moment because it seems unnecessary. I definitely going to do a deep dive further. The Wired magazine ended up getting, you know, a chance to sort of work with it. And so we are going to add that to one of those daily episodes. And so be on the lookout because it'll be covered. But not now. Now, let's do it. You know what time it is. It is the final, the final the final final lap of season three and it has been a damn interesting week if you are into controversies of a political nature so where to begin easy blizzard hearthstone if you have your head buried in the sand uh Recently, the Hearthstone Pro Chung, you name Blitz Chung Ning Wai, a professional in the game uh, in Hearthstone competitions, decided to show his support for the Hong Kong protest. If you are not familiar with what the Hong Kong protests are, Google is your friend, bruh. And so check that out. It is very important. So during or following a win uh, during the Hearthstone Grandmasters, <laughs> he shouted, liberate Hong Kong, revolution of our age. Blizzard swiftly, swiftly reacted and very violently, in my opinion. Uh, they removed the player from the event, canceled his prize winnings from the entirety of uh, the past year, and then banned him from all competitions for a full year. Following that, we literally had U.S. Senators expressing their concern over Blizzard's decision. You had a huge boycott Blizzard movement occur. This is very much in conjunction, if you are not familiar at the moment, with something that occurred over in the NBA. 
in the NBA, a general manager for the Houston Rockets. If you're also not familiar, the Houston Rockets, a team that ended up drafting and had the player named Yao Ming, who was very, I guess Chinese would be the first thing, but very instrumental in helping bridge the China-America gap in basketball. Uh, also led to the Houston Rockets being very invested in and having a very strong partnership with China. And so the GM of their team decided to tweet about Hong Kong and siding with the protest and then delete it. And then a shitstorm ensued in which the NBA did not back Daryl Morey, who was the name of the GM, and China started canceling events and doing this, that, and the other, being like, how dare you express your opinion in a tweet and then delete it. And then after more uh, outrage from people and American citizens about the fact that we are not siding with the guy just expressing his opinion about democracy, then Adam Silver came out and, you know, changed his tune and said he is not going to police what people are going to say. All of the normally extremely vocal people in the NBA have suddenly also become very quiet. What a coincidence. So uh, to see Blizzard react as quickly as it did, let's first not express surprise because as we've covered very deeply on this show, if you know, you know, and if you don't, I guess I have to explain it so you can understand so I can make my next goddamn point. China is very heavily invested in the gaming industry through a company called Tencent. And that game, I guess China, not to use that as, you know, an excuse for a single, you know, mass, but to a degree because it is a bit authoritarian, the approval of the government functions as sort of the companies are extensions of the government and what they demand as well. So Tencent is massive. They are the conglomerate. So the basic joke that we've had on the show is if you want to put, get, release a game in China, you have to pay Tencent and then partner with them. They own percentages in Activision Blizzard, in Epic Games, and fucking everything, basically. And the point of that is that the Chinese market is very large. There's a billion people there, and there's a billion people, and you know what a billion people is to most American companies? a billion potential customers. And the point of that is, in America, you have your set consumers and you have your set spending, etc. But those are extremely untapped markets. And so uh, <laughs> China and India, between that, that's 2 billion people. If you can get a game to land there, it could be huge. So now the question is, in China, at least they've structured it. So Tencent is the, the company that you go through. And funny enough, you know who released that Call of Duty mobile game? Ba-ba! Tencent. And so they also were ended up partnering with PUBG to release the PUBG China. But PUBG is actually biggest in India. But funny enough, for some reason, there is no analogous Tencent in India. But what can you do about that? I will find out if there is one and if it does not exist. PLG is going to India. Uh, anyway, regardless of that pointless aside, as I was saying... Following, uh, you know, so these controversies are, are, are all in conjunction of American companies sort of silencing their employees or, you know, taking a stance that is antithetical to American values, but are predicated on not making China mad because they need access to that market because there's a lot of money there. That's the basic premise of all of this, what it all boils down to. So... Uh, you know, 
there was, you know, after a couple of days of people sort of fuming, etc., Blizzard decided to slightly change its tune, and by slightly change its tune, it decided to change uh, its decision to not... Uh, by the way, on top of not only uh, suspending Blitzchung for the entire season, they also... Uh, <laughs> Suspended the two fucking casters as if they did something wrong other than stand there and be like, oh shit, well, that was unexpected. Uh, and so that was the way. So regardless, after a couple of days of silence, then they released a statement on a Friday, uh, which is why you know I, I wanted to cover it at the moment on Saturday, but that didn't occur. And so I recorded this on Sunday and now it's Tuesday that you're getting it when it should have been released yesterday. But regardless... We're still going. And so the punishment was reduced following the statement on Friday afternoon to a six-month suspension. They decided to lift uh, their decision to take away his previous winnings, and the two casters were also uh, suspended for only six months. It also claimed in the statement that it was Blizzard was not affected with his ties in any way by with China in its decision, and the obvious sort of non-truth of that was apparent in how swift and sort of unnecessarily aggressive the move was and so now you know following an interview with him he said that you know Blitz Chung said he would be a little bit smarter about sort of moving forward and you know he wasn't sure if he wanted to play again following the the suspension all it really does is create the ever complex fact that we see with even the NFL and Colin Kaepernick and now we're going to see in gaming as well like Riot just released a statement who owned League of Legends League of Legends is huge where in China and so you know Tencent basically owns Riot too so that's where their entry was into all of this and so by nature of that they already told their cast don't mention the Hong Kong and so if that is going to be the case and, you know, no one's going to mention Hong Kong on that end. And, you know, what do you think is going to happen? And this sort of goes really back into a major argument that I've made even on this show, which was coming. It's analogous. It might not be overlapping, but to see the, you know, when Battlefront 2 occurred. To see that it was necessary for a protest of buying, of, of of showing consumer power and being like, yo, we're going to boycott this until you guys fix this shit because this is outrageous. And the inability to do that creates situations like that. But it could not also be analogous because another further issue is the ability for the publishers to own the league and the game and part of me thinks that it might be fair for the publisher to have to divest a version of ownership over the game to like a third party entity of the league because to be to be married to the publisher's whims is also a little different because then there's a whole lot of money now being swashed into you know minor changes in games that are both consumer products and now professional products and so there's a lot of foundational work that we're going to see laid in gaming, and these are unique and interesting situations that allow for us to see the cracks in the current structures as they are that allow this, but also the ability for, you know, 
the community of gamers and, and you know rightly directed outrage and what that can do which is you know obviously it didn't defray the entirety of of the suspensions and whatever but it muted it i'm sure if everyone was like oh, well that sucks for you but chung and then just stay quiet they would have just moved on further and that means the next time it happens they go even more severe in their punishment because no one pushed back the first time and so it's important if these gaming industry you know companies aren't going to police themselves in terms of how they as they as they've shown with moderating loot boxes i don't see why they would moderate themselves in other places and when it comes to the leagues uh to ban a player and not only ban a player but have to think you have the ability to you know take away previous earnings like that's where it was like "Mm, where do you forfeit your earnings like in in that like i guess someone's gonna argue it's analogous to sports contracts and you mentioned antonio brown that's not completely not the case but regardless there is professional standards of contracts but there's also illegal uh retroactive uh you know jacking basically and so they couldn't do that so the saga both began and ended over the course of a week i don't know what happens moving forward uh in terms of what happens the next time someone says free hong kong on air or how this uh, sort of sensitive issue of access to Chinese markets um, and Tencent being part and owner of a lot of major gaming studios and publishers, how it all sort of intermarries, especially in sensitive political issues. But that is why I am here to help add some social and historical context to some of this shit on top of the gaming info that you needed to understand it. That was so random of a full talk, but I hope it I hope it made sense like in a full circle. Sometimes I'll lose the point. Regardless, um that's all I got for you. I uh, for this episode. We are at the finale. Wow! It's been amazing. It's been incredible. Hold on. I'm gonna take a moment. I'm gonna take a moment. Pow. I'm gonna hit some of these just for memory's sake. Hey, and you already know. And where am I? Where am I? Where is this? Here we go. Do you really not know? Because it is a big deal. That's right. That's right. Thank you to every person who listened to an episode, to a minute of the show, to followed who came to a single event uh, over the past couple of months because we started doing events sort of at the same time we launched season three. And it has been some of the greatest months of my entire life. And it is uh, a season for whether, you know, some of, you know, for all of those who listened, it's going to be very meaningful. So. If you ever see me at any point in my life and you ever mentioned these first three seasons, um, you will have a special place. And so uh, I guess, you know, we have I, I, I'm coming back with the, the five minute episodes. You know, we got you know the subreddits live. And so the show's not going anywhere. But 
We had a particular iteration that I don't know if it's going to come back in its exact form of this weekly Wednesday. I don't know if we're going to come back with, you know, we have fun with, we're, we're coming back with the produced season of a couple of produced episodes. So it's sort of a different way. So imagine a full bunch of final apps uh, with a little bit of production quality added in, a couple of interviews, this, that. We're going official, <clears throat> but um, until then, you know, we're still going to be pumping out content. And, you know, from me, from Lilo, who, who, who's not here, uh, we thank you. Is it was an amazing, it was an amazing season, and I and I hope we will. If he if he ends up rejoining us in in the near future, or if he ends up being a TBD return, um, you know, have a lot of cool stuff in the pipeline. But these were a couple of amazing ones, so thank you all. I, I keep saying thank you, but what more can you say? Uh, to those who helped us build this and you're about to see some really cool shit coming up uh so thank you for bearing with us uh and be prepared the people uh, the people are here for expansion and so 